Tala Falava and welcome to another episode of the Reads with Rossa podcast. I'm your host, Rossa. I'd like to shout out everyone who's been tuning in every week. I really appreciate the love and support. If you are a regular listener on the podcast platforms, don't forget to click the follow button. If you prefer visuals, then head on over to YouTube and check out the video episode. Don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel. So without further ado, enjoy this week's show. Welcome to the Reads of Russell podcast. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest. She's joining us from Melbourne, Australia. She's the Player Development Manager for the Melbourne Rebels. Welcome to the show, Moana. How are you? I am really good, thank you. How are you? I am great, thanks. I'm good, thank you. So good to have you here. It's a Sunday afternoon. Uh, how has your day been so far? Uh, it's, it's been pretty low-key, to be honest. Uh, so we're, as, as most people are aware, in lockdown six. Um, so, I mean, I did have already had a, um, a video call with my brother back in Auckland to see how they're doing in lockdown. Um, but, yeah, pretty cruisy to say the least. Oh, well, I guess before we head anywhere um, for this podcast, I just want you to um, please introduce yourself. You know, tell the audience a little bit about uh, who you are, where you're from, cultural roots. Um, yeah, go ahead. Cool. I, I guess um, first and foremost, before we officially start, I guess I'll tell you about our two little bit. I'm a little bit of fear. I'll just sing a little bit. I was a massive fool, but yeah, last last year, look for my line podcast. I'll tell you about our two little bit. I'm a little bit of fear. I'll tell you about my little bit. I'm a little bit of fear. 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 I'm a little bit of a lot to ma is our marine or fussy safu to la fai. A lot to now, if I well. My name, um, all of that to say is that um, my name is Fa'amo'ana Leilua, named after my great great grandmother, um, but uh, more known as, as Moana. Um, I hey, my parents are migrants, um, they migrated to Aotearoa, New Zealand in the 70s. Uh, I was uh, born in Tamaki Makoto, um, raised in Kirikirido in Hamilton, um, but have spent a significant portion of my life back in Tamaki Makoto uh, due to university and really just um, embarking on my career, which is very non-linear to say the least. Uh, I am one of four. Um, I have three other siblings. Number two, um, I have an older sister who is a, a great single mum in Hamilton with my mum. Um, my uh, younger sister, who's actually here in Melbourne, um, you know, suffering in lockdown with me, um, but a, a, a couple of suburbs away uh, with her husband, and then my younger brother and um, his beautiful wife, who are based in Clendon Park in Auckland. So we're very small for a Samoan family. Um, my roots are very much uh, entrenched in Anganu'ufa uh, Samoa. Uh, like most parents, uh, the churches that they attended ended up becoming their little village away from the motherland. So uh, the, our family church was Efaka Sahimiltuni, and that's where our roots uh, are laid. And, and my late father is now, um, um, I guess, uh, resting and, and, and lying in state back in Aotearoa, New Zealand, the Newstead. So our roots will always be in Waikato. Um, and so that's kind of a little bit of a, I guess, a brief insight into who I am. And yeah, and I, and I find myself here in Melbourne. I've, I've, I've actually just re was a, recently moved here at the end of 2019. 
um, was totally oblivious to the fact that we will be going through a pandemic in 2020. I um, spent most of my time in 2020 becoming familiar with the four walls of my bedroom. <laughs> I essentially worked online um, um, despite the the season or the, the rugby season uh, still continuing interstate. I, I ended up actually staying back in Melbourne because the area I was in was a hot spot. Um, and then heading into 2021, thinking that we were a little bit clear of it, but then uh, life happened. Uh, two lockdowns uh, interstate with the boys uh, traveling. So lockdown five and six have actually been home. Um, and and it's, it's actually been nice to be home. Um, but our season is is uh, drawing near, and so just getting ready for pre-season coming up with what is now Super Rugby Pacifica, which I'm very, very excited about. Moses, that is a lot that's happening to you. <laughs> um, I wanted to go back to the uh, talking about the lockdown, because I noticed yesterday I saw on Twitter everyone was talking about um, Pika. Shout out to the Pacific Island Creative Arts Australia uh, crew who were uh in charge of a was it a drive-in uh vaccination center for pacifica communities yesterday uh you were you were part of that um Rana? yeah it was just volunteering uh, mm. there was an, an an actual vaccination hub in, in a in a suburb called broadmeadows but we had it was really great for us to be um a little bit more targeted with our pacifica community mm. so we've got our had our own booking system had our own line for chicken um, then also had our own nurses um, who were able to facilitate the vaccine. So it was really smooth. I think we had just under 60 of our people come through uh, yesterday afternoon. And these vaccination drives have been going on now for a couple of weeks. And that has been driven by uh, Rita Silmanutafa. Uh, she's doing some great, great work uh, within the community here in Melbourne as the um, Victoria Pacific Health Advisor. Um, and there's there's a number of vaccination drives coming up. I think there's one actually Ifakasa Dandenong uh, coming up next week, um, and then a few more kind of dotted around because Melbourne, um, it, although it's a city, it's actually got the same number of people as the whole of Aotearoa. So it's a very right. <laughs> it's very right. populated. Yeah, if you know what I mean. So I crack up when I hear 13 cases here, and I say, like, No, I'll take your 13. We've got like 503 yeah. or 573. Um, but it is, it's, it's, it's been amazing to see some of our community leaders band together. Um, we had some uh, church leaders actually uh, come through um, yesterday afternoon, which was really encouraging because in our community, um, we follow their lead in most cases. So to see some of our elders really take that step, which, you know, has been, um, it's been mixed in our community, to be fair. Uh, but that was really, really encouraging. And even just to have a, a beautiful 83-year-old man come through yesterday afternoon, I was like, oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's great. It's great to hear the communities um, getting together to do that. Just to any of our audience, anyone listening who who is in Melbourne, you know, make sure you get out there, support. Um, yeah, get out there and support what's going on with the vaccine centres. Um, so I wanted to go back to rugby. You know, obviously you're in this like um, development role now, but where did rugby? Where did it all start for you? Because I know that you used to play rugby. I mean, how how long were you playing rugby? Um, how did you go from playing rugby to where you are now? Like, there must have been a lot in terms of your journey in between. Like, could you tell us a little bit about that? Where yeah, did sure. it all begin for you? 
Yeah, well, it actually began in um, in Avondale, <laughs> of all places in West Auckland. So I was a netball player growing up, and I um, was got into Auckland University. So ended up moving in with my great aunt and my uh, my cousins um, in Avondale. Uh, they were actually attending a muster, and I was just a little cousin, just tagging along, um, and at, at suburbs. And so uh, suburbs is where I kind of started my um, my rugby journey, um, and loved it. Like it was totally totally different from netball, um, something that I really enjoyed, and ended up playing for just under fifteen seasons. Um, had a couple of years uh, off and on um, between that 15 seasons, but it was really um, a vice. I've always had sports, so I played uh, netball since I was five, so it was either sport, um, education, church. That was pretty much my life up until I left um, Kirikiriroa to move to Tamaki for uni, and then uh, rugby became my vice, and I've, I've made some lifelong friends through the game, um, to, to be honest, Rosa, this was not a planned, <laughs> a planned career step for me. It really was um, making the most of opportunities that came my way. So while I was playing rugby, after I had graduated, I was working. And so had played for a number of different clubs, started out west and ended up in um, south. So the final club that I played for was Ardmore Marist. But I did apply my rugby trade a lot uh, for a number of years at Auckland Marist before making the move south when my brother and I bought a place out in Clendon. So um really love the environment i mean you know you've got brothers that, that have played and so it is a real family away from um a family away from home um, made some lifelong friends as i mentioned before um but rugby was always in the the fabric of our um my childhood it was rugby and boxing so those were the the wow. sports that our families watched <laughs> you know so I, I remember vividly that 1991 um match from between mum sam and wells my father and i and our, our family dog were out watching it so there's there's a lot of really great memories with the game and so um to be here actually working in the game um is like it blows my mind to be honest so I once when I had decided to to hang up the boots, I also decided to take up some postgraduate studies. Um, but in the same token, I, I felt like my time wasn't finished with the game. So I volunteered with the club that I was um, that I had last played at, which was Ardmore Marist. So I helped out the women's team there uh, for a season, and then co-managed the uh, women's team, so Counties Monaco Heat, whilst I was studying. So I was commuting from Tamaki down to Tauranga and to Kirikiriroa for classes. And so um, it was actually in the first six months of doing my my postgraduate studies that I was asked if I was free in the summer uh, to actually help out with the men's sevens team. And uh, I was um, a little bit um, taken aback because I've never managed a men's team before. Um, funnily enough, like my brother reminded me that my dad used to manage a rugby team back in um, so City Norton Rugby Club in, in Hamilton. I totally forgot that, not realising that, you know, Hello, it could have been. <laughs> it's something that my dad did, and I didn't realize that it would be something that I actually would be in. So I volunteered for two summers with the men's sevens team, and that's where I really got my teeth sunk into the um, the whole managing in rugby um, because there was there's, there's a whole bunch of things outside of just managing the day-to-day -day of the boys, or in this case it was tournaments. And it just so happened after the second season, we had a really successful seven season and all of that was still voluntary. Um, an opportunity came with the county's Monaco Rugby Union team. So their, um, what they call flagship team is the, the county's Monaco Steelers. Yeah. 
um, Tana Umanga had actually moved on to the Open Blues and there was a vacancy there. Uh, the coach that I was working with and uh, with the men's sevens team secured the role. Um, and then myself and the assistant coach with the sevens team both followed um, Dale Sosua. Um, so myself and Le Maru Semostiti, so well-known Monosamo um, sevens player, we both moved um, with Daryl and served at the Steelers for, se- uh, for four seasons. Um, so you know, that's where, you know, it's it's um, what, what you see on TV is a little bit different from what happens behind the scenes. So it really was uh, a high-octane environment. Um, yeah, I was going uh, to ask, right, because, sorry, just to jump in there, because um, you got, was it 2016 that you got that role with the, with the Steelers? And mm-hmm. what were you seeing behind the scenes? Because just just like you said, on TV, you know, everything looks dandy, but behind the scenes, I mean, what were you seeing in terms of, I guess, I'm curious about Pacifica, like Pacifica uh, representation um, in the ranks, I guess, and coaching, um, you know, yeah, what are you what are you seeing behind the scenes in, in some of these these clubs um, that you're working with these teams? Like, is it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What is it like? What is it really like behind the scenes? Because I imagine it's hard work, and I imagine with you know our Pacifica players, a lot of socio like social emotional, um, you know that plays a huge part in them as you know the successful. Uh, rugby players but yeah what were you seeing in terms of your role uh it it was really interesting so as the manager you essentially look after all the logistics and the operations of the team um also just making sure that the um that all the all the guys need to do is just turn up and play so my my service uh was to ensure that that they didn't have anything to worry about whether it be um so managing the schedule with the strength and conditioning coach ensuring that I um, execute the vision of the head coach in terms of the team environment, what that looks like, and then also making sure that a, the, the flights are booked, the hotels are all booked, I've got all of the you know the meals all sorted with our nutritionist, um, all that kind of stuff, ensuring that the kit, and that, and that was probably the thorn on my side, is organising um, the kit, the, pa- the apparel that the team wears, um, because in most cases those are not um, either not in country or not even in your region. And so... Um, working alongside some of the commercial staff to tick off on the designs and getting the head coach tick off, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, not only do I have the the actual team that I've got all these stakeholders that I need to to make sure that I that I keep on the I, I guess keep happy. Um, the interesting thing with my role is that the club had been formed, it was established in 1955, uh, which is great. And in counties Monaco, very staunch rugby supporters. Um, but I was the first uh, female um, and Pacific team manager that the, that the team had had. So I was also really mindful of the, uh, I guess, the quote-unquote pressure um, to perform um, because who was this, to make it more, <laughs> managing a, a men's rugby team? Um, I was fortunate that I wasn't the only female. So at that particular time that I came into uh, what was, it's now Bunnings NPC was Mighty Teen Cup back then, there was another female um, at Taranaki Bulls. And then I had a brother, um, his name is Mila Bolto, he's currently still serving at the Wellington Lions. So um, it was really great to be able to lean on Nikita, who was now the player or what, what New Zealand called the personal development manager for the Black Friend Sevens. Mm-hmm and Mila um, to, to lean on. And then I had some really great uh, friends in, um, in the Northland, um, North Harbour, 
uh, Waikato um, and Auckland team managers who were really, really helpful uh, as a rookie uh, to make sure that I was across it, especially um, um, North Harbour. So Peter White, and shout out to Peter White, I've got a lot of time for, for the beautiful Koinga um, who has been serving uh, in the rugby space for a while. So, um, but yeah, I, I think if anything, like, like most things, the balance off field is not the same as on field. Uh, we could be doing better. And I was really uh, acutely aware that um, myself, Seymour, Daryl, all Samoans, um, we were in the part of the management team, that there was um, there was real pride in, in, in that and in, in the makeup of our of our of our coaching and management team because we did look like the players that we were serving. Um, and so we, we really uh, know that Daryl really drove the team culture to ensure that we um, celebrated um, our Māori culture, celebrated our own cultures, um, like most teams in Aotearoa will do anyway with songs. And um, we went out to a marae for our pre-season. We were able to um, stay on the marae. And for some of our players, uh, we had one particular season, we had a, a fellow Australian come through and spend a season with us, never slept in a marae before, let alone on a whamalu on the ground. <laughs> like it's just little things like that, which is real cultural shock, but that was just part of embracing, um, I guess, the tikanga and what we were, were trying to ensure that we instilled in our players to be, be really proud of who they were. Um, we celebrated, and one thing that I was really proud of was to, you know, video our guys celebrating the language weeks and the seasons that I was serving there at the Steelers. And so those kind of came up as memories this year, um, but I, I I really wanted to ensure that if I was to be in the role, that my role was to ensure that the young men didn't have to worry about things. Um, and that really carried through. And, and it wasn't um, wasn't easy, to be honest. Like, uh, you know, the uh, unconscious biases and uh, the institutional racism, that, that stuff um, still exists. And, um, and it was just navigating that. And... and the instances that I had to encounter, those things, all I could think of was my parents and, you know, how they would have um, gone through their own battles coming from Samoa to Aotearoa with limited English. I'm educated, though, so I'm in a, in a little bit more of a privileged position, but how would I react? Um, how do I um, be, uh, you know, exercise for alo even though I was just cringing inside? So it was that, that was a real battle for me, but I, I feel as if, I was able to leave uh, Counties Monaco in a in a place where I'd done all that I could do. I did not think envisage that I would ever leave Aotearoa, to be honest. Um, it was while I was actually um, off contract. I, I did a short contract in New Zealand rugby, um, took the Black Ferns Development 15 to Fiji in, at the end of 2019. And it was there that I stumbled across the advertisement for this particular role. And I had been contracting at that point for a couple of years. And I knew without the shadow of a doubt, if I was going to go back into a permanent role, it had to meet certain expectations. And um, it wasn't until I had secured the role that my brother reminded me, because I'm all for vision boards and stuff like that. So he found the vision board when I was packing. He goes, Mo, look at this. And in everything that was on there that I wanted in the job, and I was really specific, salary, the type of role. Um, and I was, at that particular time, I was a season in my life, I was open to moving out of Tamaki. So I was looking at Wellington. I was actually looking at Perth um, and then Melbourne because I have my sister here in it. Um, Melbourne Rebels and um, and the Rugby Union Players Association, who I work for, but I'm based at the Rebels, um, ticked all those boxes. So 
from the time that I had interviewed to the time that I arrived. It was two weeks. It was real, just like that. I made the choice, packed up my stuff and came. And I was, you know, I'm single, so I was in a season that I could just pack up and leave. I unfortunately had to leave my dogs um, back in Aotearoa with my brother, um, obviously sorting out our affairs with our mukesi. Um, but, yeah, I find myself here in, in the Australian rugby ecosystem and love it. Like, it's it's different being here as, a, you know, a staunch as Aotearoa or Black supporter. <laughs> um, you know, my, my friends are saying that my... Um, you know, my, my allegiances haven't changed fully. Like, it, it just so happens that I'm supporting the Wallabies because I've got fellow <laughs> Rebels players that are in the Wallabies. So yes, last night's win was epic, so it wasn't a fluke. Um, and then, you know, you got our Kiairani brother and Dave Rennie at the helm, so I have to support the Wallabies while there are Rebels in the Wallabies. So, yeah. Man, I, I'm, I'm such a bandwagon when it comes to rugby. Like, I'm really not. I don't. I hardly watch rugby. Um, you know when the when there was the Japan um, rugby the Sunwolves, it would get yes. tickets and would always go. I'm so bandwagon. I'll be I'll be in the crowd like cheering as if I even know what's going on. Have no understanding of the game, but you know I love when the New Zealand teams came over. And then I'll just be so bandwagon going along with everyone. But I'm just like yeah, going hardcore. So no judgments on you supporting all of these. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I have nothing to say about that. Man, you know what's really cool is hearing that you you were able to say, you were able to kind of say, this is what I want in a job, and everything was ticked off. Like, I don't think that many people can say that, you know, this is what I want in a job, everything's been ticked off my list, and I got it. Like, that's, that's pretty cool. Sis. Like, yeah, I don't know many you. people that can, can, can say that. Yeah, I, I think I think the real watershed moment for me was losing my dad. So we lost our our dad in 2011. So it'll be 10 years this year um, in November uh, to cancer, and uh, he was only 62 at the time. So I was in my early 30s. Um, you know, you know, you know the things that I always think about. You know, being um, the the status that I am. You know, I won't have my dad to be able to walk me down the aisle to have the father daughter dance and. What really hit home was that um, that time really is finite. And I really needed to be intentional and deliberate with my purpose. Like it really, uh, I, I had to, to reflect back on what I was doing and was was I pouring and investing my energies into the things that, that mattered. And so um, I think it was really important for me then on. So pursuing my, um, my master's, was something that I always wanted to do. And then I was, no, remember, time is finite. So I just applied, did it part-time while I was working full-time, which was the hardest. So I take my hat off to anyone that is studying while working um, because I know <laughs> what it feels like. It's not easy. I'm so, so I'm so thankful that my I had my brother to kind of support me, you know, my, my mom to make me cups of coffees to get me through the night. But I really was make. I really wanted to make sure that I'm going to live the rest of my life, making sure that I was purposeful, um, that the things that I, I put my hand to, that they're aligned with my purpose and my values, um, because I was hoping to have my dad till he was 80. He died at 62. So um, things like 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 putting things like speaking things into existence, even just doing vision vision boards and plans and I, I'm really all about that kind of stuff but even more so once I lost that so 
I look back in the last 10 years since he's passed, um, been able to do some great things and some milestones that he's unfortunately missed out on. But the day that I got my, my master's project and my final mark, I was at the headstone. I went to visit him and was talking to him and, and shared with him my result before I shared it with my mom and my siblings. Um, those little things I always make sure and and check that you know that I've still got my dad with me um, and I think we're going to be talking about it later but I went through my journey of um, getting um, my malu done the picture of my dad was with me and my brother during our journey we had songs playing that were really you know, songs that my dad loved so we're um, since then we've been really um, deliberate about making sure that we we involve him even though he's not here in, in the flesh and everything that we do so even just in my as soon as you enter my house there's a picture of me my dad and my brother that was a gift from my brother-in-law so um everything that i do and i know that this is common amongst um most samoans and pacifica peoples is that um you know we we truly do stand on the shoulders of giants and so who am i not to take the most make the most of the opportunities i'm given who am I to not make sure that the things, that the way that I serve, the way that I act, especially in the workplace, is not honouring, but also mindful that I'm, I'm also a woman of faith. So I, I truly believe that that God will honour the things that you, um, when you're obedient and faithful. Uh, no, I'm not saying that perfection, perfectionism is a, is a mirage. So the only, the, the only perfect thing is Jesus Christ, but making sure that everything that I do is in the light and then is... Um, Something that my you know, I carry my name, um, I carry Leilua, I carry Nuwalitia wherever I go. So very, very cognizant of the fact that it's not just about me, it's about my village behind me. So yeah, I'm rambling. I'm sorry, but yeah. You know, honestly, sis, this might just be the podcast where I cry. <laughs> honestly, there have been some podcasts when I'm just like, oh, I'm about to cry, but I'm just like, no, 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 don't be that guy that cries. But now I'm just like. Oh, inspiration. Yeah. Um, you mentioned your malu, the journey that you took with your brother, you know, the marks of our ancestors. Um, man, it's special. It's so special when you can do that with your brother. Um, I don't know. Can you speak a little bit about the journey? I mean, I know you've already mentioned just the importance of dad and, you know, how he played a part in it, even though he was there in spirit. Um yeah, tell us a little bit about that um, with your brother. Yeah, it, it really, it actually took a, a bit of time. So it was in 2010. Um, so my brother and I had been living together for a while anyway. Um, and we'd been, we'd been discussing it. Something because at that stage, I, I don't have any other tattoos. It's the only tattoo that I've got at the moment. Um, so in 2010, we went home, had kongai, we were just talking with our parents and asked for their blessing because we really wanted to, um make sure that we did it we we personally wanted to, to have our parents um involvement in it and they gave us the blessing um unfortunately not too long after that dad was diagnosed with cancer um he died um, a year later but we we actually didn't go through our uh, particular model fear journey until 2016. so it was, it was a really key year for me i just uh, finished my first season uh, with the steelers um and so i was trying to manage uh, off um manage the, the the function and everything that we had to do for the boys, but also trying to manage my time to make sure that I, 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 I um, it was, it was interesting. So we had, we're part of an exhibition and I had to manage when I was going to be in the session based on whether we were going to make finals. So strange. And so I was working <laughs> at that, that particular uh, time we had, um, 
uh, Bena, um, who was kind of the liaison between us and the Tufunga. And I said, Bena, I, I, um, we've just made the, the semifinals, so I can't do it. This particular time, I'd have to go towards the end. It was, yeah. And so um, it really was important for us to, to keep in alignment with the Tufunga that had got uh, my dad. So dad was done by the late um, Bolu um, Suape back in 1986. And it was just uncanny that um, 30 years later that my brother and I were able to to gully the all together um, with with our fellow brothers and sisters who were part of that particular exhibition at MIT Altara. So it really was, um, we kind of didn't click that it was 30 years almost to the day until my mum had told me. And I think the beautiful thing about it was because we had prayed about it and really soaked it in prayer, my, my particular journey was... My friends were saying that if you were looking at doing it, you should have come into Mo's session because you didn't flinch. Like, I, I had a really, I felt spiritually prepared for it. Um, I was talking with the koinga, I was talking with the koso. We had some really good conversations about rugby because obviously that's a, a really good icebreaker with a lot of guys. <laughs> um, so, and then finding out that the koso was related to one of my best mates. I had my friends there and, and their kids, you know, kapiling me while, um, while I was going through my, my sessions. Um, but what for me um, that blew me away was realising that my mum, my mum was what did exactly what she did with my dad, with my little brother, um, making sure that he was okay, ensuring, you know, fuck it was almost like she had, um, almost like a rebirth for my mum, because what she was doing, and my brother is now, um, he's turning 40 this year, um, so he was uh, just mid-30s at the time, to think that she was bathing her, her only son again, almost 30 odd, 35 years later, um, it was a really special bonding moment for my brother and my mum. And um, for me, um, that was super special because she was telling stories. Obviously, did the same thing for my dad. And um, we were always talking about how I remember when my dad's journey had happened. So I'd come to Hamilton. He had, um, we'd essentially uh, put all the chairs and the tables outside. He did everything in our dining room. And from my dad inviting him, five other men uh, from within Hamilton got went through their journey as well. So it was just really awesome to be able to reflect back on that. And I remember Mafkanga coming over and helping out. And, and obviously, as, as you're aware, when you do go through that journey, and so we ended up at the Methodist Church for a couple of months because um, his his um, titles and his positions at church were dropped uh, due to going um, due to him going through that journey. So uh, and I know now I've got some really great friends at the Methodist Church who are my day ones and just just everything that it kind of happened back then in the eighties. Um, seeing my one of my best friends, um, uh, Erolini, who was whose dad also went through the journey with my dad. So it's just a real. Um, like a real weaving of of what what happened in Kirikiroa in Tamaki, and and then just seeing a lot of our journeys kind of um, come to the fore. Um, beautiful spiritually, it was amazing. Um, I really do. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a beautiful um, adornment. Uh, it's a beautiful treasure, beautiful miasina that we have the privilege of both wearing. My also so. Um, it's, um, I remember, you know, as, as you do when you, the, the first shower, the first time you, you get changed, it's like, oh my gosh, there's this black yeah. ink on <laughs> like, that about that. Like last week, like I just, like, it's just, you know, it's 
just forever that proud moment you look back on. But yeah, like last week, I happened to look down, like waking up in the morning, going, "What? I, oh yeah, that's right." <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah. a, it's always a surprise. But and then it's just like that feeling of just such pride, and you know, yeah. And especially like like I mean, you're in Japan now, and you are able to. Our, our culture is now. Um, you know, like we were talking about diaspora, you're now in a, in, a, in, in a country that is not our own. But when you uh, you, you carry something absolutely beautiful um, with you on the daily, and I think that's that's a real encouragement for us who are no longer with our um, in, in the in the familiar place in Aotearoa or the motherland in Samoa, that we can still continue to be able to carry ourselves with dignity, carry ourselves with mana, um, and um, everything that we do and it's not by chance that you're doing this particular podcast but also as an educator also um the 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 hearts and minds that you're shaping um and i really do believe that you know this this beautiful black ink that is on our bodies is is a nod to our ancestors and um you know and i know that it's, it's a little bit cliche but they say that we are our ancestors wildest dreams who would have thought ah, that, that, that one of their own would be in japan oh my goodness they were only just thinking of the shores of Aotearoa in Australia, and now you are just doing the damage in Japan, sis. So know <laughs> that I, I know that you know our ancestors are absolutely just cheering us on because we're walking in our power. We are taking our family with me, and as much as it pains us that we're away from our, our loved ones, we carry them because um, we need to remember that the values that were instilled in us that will always go and be with us. So. So know that you're not alone also in the, the fact that we are both um, sisters, um, you know, sisters now wearing, adorning a beautiful miasina of our motherland. Um, you know, forever, man. Got you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> For real, right here. Um, man, you know, it's um, onto the dias diaspora. Um, you know, there's always this, like, on social media, there's always this, like, ongoing debate about who can and who can't, you know, where, you know, who who, who can get a better, uh, who shouldn't get one, who can get a malu, who shouldn't get one. What are your thoughts on that, man? It's always overwhelming, the debates that go on. I, I stay right out of it. Um, yeah. But it can get super intense. <laughs> Yeah, and it really can, and I, and I can see, um, the, I guess, the positives from both sides, uh, but then also understanding that you know when I was, you know, the, the tufunga also carries a, a major responsibility because they, in essence they are the one that are choosing to 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 be able to mark um, the people that come across their their mat. So um, yeah, like you, I, I I've got some some really dear friends who are very strong. Um, strong stances on it um but you know um every, everyone's journey is different and i'm i i can't um speak on behalf of that because i know that maybe what i feel about it is is totally different from others um, but i'm also very mindful that if you do choose to adorn the marks of our ancestors there's a responsibility that comes with that and if you don't feel as if you are in a, a season in your life that you're able to be to carry that responsibility to carry um, to you know the duty that comes with it, then I would say maybe step aside. But uh, in most cases, from the stories that I've heard, even from non Samoans that have gone, um, especially some sisters who have gone and um, you know, 
um, their experiences and their journey has been really personal and I, I can't judge someone's personal journey so that's not it's definitely not my place but I, I know that those discussions have been going on even since Su Ape, uh, because I was I was aware he he was to hear of stories of him going to Europe and you know when there's a power cut and the only thing that was you could hear was the tapping of our instruments that kind of stuff and I think he really broke the mold um, of being able to to really uh, I guess give some bandwidth to to culturally uh, to some of our traditions. Um, and then as a result, we do have some, you know, some of our people like yourself and like others who are in the Northern Hemisphere that are that adorn um, the Miocena, but have been able to do some really grand things in their respective industries. So, yeah, that, that, that's a hard, um, that's a hard one to uh, answer, to be honest. Yeah. You know, in 2019, um, in 2019, I remember seeing um, the Brumbies and the Super, super Rugby, and I remember seeing the Brumbies um, wearing... Wearing, wearing, uh, um, was it FA Kanga? Uh, they were arrived, I guess, as a travel uniform arriving into a stadium. Man, that was so cool! Like, <laughs> I remember reading about it here at that time and thinking, What this is, this is awesome! And it's an Australian team. Um, I don't know why, I just kind of expect that kind of stuff with uh, you know, teams in Aotearoa, but it was an Australian team, and I was just like so blown away by that um yeah do you you know in terms of your role because honestly i don't know much about melbourne rebels i mean i know they're you know they're a rugby team um do you that kind of stuff where you're able to like showcase you know culture and and, and of players does a lot of that happen in your team like is that is that something that the um you know the Players uh, Association is that are those some things that they kind of look into and how they can embrace different cultures? I'm um, not just obviously Pacifica, but uh, uh, Indigenous, you know, uh, Australian hmm. culture. Like, do you see that more? And are you seeing that more in terms of um, rugby in Australia as a whole, the Super Rugby teams, or is it still something that was that a one-off? I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, well, um, I, I really don't have anything to compare it to because I've only, I've really, I've only been here for about eighteen months or so. But in the short eighteen months, just the there's, I'm really sensing such an, an amazing shift, like a paradigm shift happening within the rugby uh, ecosystem here. And so the things that happen at the Brumbies, so I think the most, um, if you're looking at the five super teams that are here, uh, the ACT Brumbies, the Melbourne Rebels, and the Queensland Reds are probably the ones with the the most Pacifica players. So for the Rebels, um, just under 50, I think 50% this year will be a Pacifica heritage. Um, the Reds are probably the same and the Brumbies. And so the Brumbies have a really strong Pacifica community. And I spent a, a bit of time there because we had to escape lockdown three <laughs> and we hopped in our cars and hit, we drove to Canberra. So we spent an, an, about a month there. Um, so I was able to engage with some people from the rugby community there that are Māori um, and also some of our one of our Samoan brothers, um, and they're doing some great things together with the club. So the EFA Kanga, um, they even just last year they showcased a Pacifica jersey, which was um, a player input um, into the design of the jersey. Um, things that that I've done with the Rebels um, because one of the pillars for the my role 
uh, in terms of our player development program is cultural awareness around Pacifica. So, um, and the the hiring of myself um, was critical for the team. Um, not 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 to um, I, I say it humbly, just in the sense that I was able to uh, came from a rugby background. I had my MBA. Um, I played the sport um, both at regional and international level. Um, but the the fact that I had also worked. I um, spent about nine years working in counties Monaco for MIT Otara, working with our young people. So all of that kind of ticked the boxes here for the Rebels because the Rebels community, uh, rugby community here, over 60% of the players that, that play club rugby are, are brown. And so um, it's exciting to be part of, I guess, the, the kind of the, ch the changing wave that's happening here. Um, very much um, in Sydney, uh, where, so we were there in lockdown four, um, we had a cultural session. Was I really wanted to make sure that it was player driven? It's come up a couple of our Samoan players were able to um, you know the bucky ball. Very, very, very simple stuff and stuff that is common uh, back at home, but not common here. Um, had one of our Fijian brothers um, who is uh, plays for the Fijian international team. He taught him, and so all that that kind of stuff is is actually happening and something that I am driving within within the Rebels Club. Um, and then I am aware that, that different things happen within the Pacifica rugby community interstate. So, um, and, and, and you may have seen, um, even just in the Wallabies culture, they've been very um, inclusive. Like, it, I've been lo loved hearing um, even Māori, no, Waiata, I heard um, Matongan and Samoan being sung, Fiji and one. And I know that they've been doing some uh, First Nations activities with some of the players. Um, and then even just a nod to the First Nations people now with the, the back of the, the jersey numbers for the Wallabies teams has a uh, Indigenous design. All of that is new. Last year they had um, their national anthem sung in the Yorta language, which is where um, the tribe where they actually played the game, um, that was their mother tongue. So they, it was the first time they've ever sung the Australian national anthem in a language outside of English. So... <laughs> common for us, but not here in Australia. So I really am sensing some real positive changes and it's just really exciting to actually be a part of it. And are, I mean, I know you've not, you haven't been there that long, but do you know of other women who are in similar roles uh, like yours, perhaps with other clubs, uh, other super rugby clubs? Are there a lot of women in that, at that level of the game, you know, like, I don't know, like, yeah, not not I, yet, yeah. <laughs> not yet. Um, and and I and I say yet, really. I, I I'm really confident that that in the not too distant future that we will have a lot more Pacifica, um, and this includes our Melanesian brothers and sisters as well represented in the game. NRL have um like I lean to NRL for some support. Is there a, a beautiful Maori um a PDM at uh the Gold Coast Titans that I'm in contact with. Um, there's some of the brothers that work for NRL themselves um, that I'm in constant contact with. Um, so I, I've actually had to reach outside of my code for some some support um, from like-minded like brothers and sisters. But um, I am aware that some of the like like similar to like a rugby the the rugby club rugby union, so like Auckland Rugby Waikato, we have Rugby Victoria. We've got maybe three um, staff of colour. That are there. It's a Melanesian and a couple of a couple of um, Pacific Islanders, 
um, and I am aware that ACT also has a, a couple of um, Samoans. So they are dotted around the place, but it's there's still definitely a little bit of an imbalance. Uh, I am not sure whether there is anyone um, of Māori or Pacifica heritage who are currently sitting on boards, like in governance roles across the rugby sector. Um, my hope is that, um, that, that they might prove me wrong. There might be someone there. But what I do know of um, maybe a couple of clubs that I'm aware of, um, there's myself. We had, our, our analyst happens to be of Fiji and Australian descent, which is great. Um, and then we also have a Samoan and one of our elite pathways manager. So there are kind of three of us. But in, in terms of my area, um, at, at the moment, it, it is just me um, within, in the super rugby level. Um, you know when you were playing rugby, were you able? I know you played for you played for Manusina, right? Yeah. Manusina, but did you have an opportunity to play for the New Zealand team? Is it the Black Ferns? The Black Ferns. Um, so, so in women's rugby at the moment, it's um, it was like one one country for life essentially. So when you choose one, you can't really change. I know in the men's game. Um, you, you can set a couple of World Cups and then swap over. Um, so, no, I was fortunate to actually apply my trade alongside some amazing black ferns. So in that, in that golden era, um, in the 90s, when I was uh, in late 90s, early 2000s, was playing um, alongside because most of them were either Auckland Marist or College Rifles, some amazing players. So I think I, I definitely know that I've, I've played with the best and learned from the best. Uh, even played alongside um, Fiotfa Amosili, who was a former captain of Black Ferns. Um, some of my really good friends in the Levere sisters, who are um, no staunch uh, Black Ferns uh, players. I think Vanya Wolfgram, um, Neil Levere, she's currently working for New Zealand Rugby, doing some really great things in the women's game there as the game development manager. So a lot of us um, have, rugby was, was a, a kind of a way for us to, to breathe and, and, and you know, relieve stress, but to find myself, you know, they say that when you allow your passion to become your pur purpose, it will become your profession. And that particular statement is so true of me. I never would have thought that I'd be working in the men's game. I, I, I really do have a, a sincere love for the game and the men that I serve. Um, because in most cases, they're going to be the future leaders of their homes. Um, one thing that we're big with, with RUPA, the Rugby Union Player Association is, um, you know, a, a better person, um, better player, better life. Like it really is around um, the holistic, um, the holistic view of the athlete, and that's that's kind of what I uh, really centre my work on. Um, I'll let the you know the high performance staff look after the on-field stuff, but for me, it's really important to make sure that our young men are, are well-rounded, that they've got access to to resources, whether it be education and training. Uh, financial management, um, even just, you know, cultural intelligence, all that kind of stuff, so that when they decide to transition away from the game, they're still good humans, um, if you know what I mean, they're, they're not identified by the, the ball that they happen to play with. Um, that didn't come across right, but, yeah. But I mean, like, they're not, they, their identity is not wrapped, wrapped up in rugby. Um, that is probably a better a better way of, of putting it, but um, but yeah, reminding them that they're more than just a rugby player, and so I, I find that that's that's kind of my role is to is to bring it home that it is about them and figuring out who they are, um, because some of our young men that has been their driving force is to always get a professional contract, 
Um, and so now that they they've got it, it's it's maintaining it because it's it really is. It's not a um, it's 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 not as like dog eat dog like the NFL, but you need to make sure that you're on point all the time. And then when injuries happen, um, I'm, I'm really mindful of of young men and women's mental health, especially in this climate that we're living in. So being really um, exercising discernment when I work with some of these young men and they amazing young men. Um, and, you know, I have to keep off the social sometimes during games when, you know, some of those couch coaches go a little bit too hard out for um, talking about players on their Twitter feeds or Facebook posts. Um, and I, that was something that I learned with the Steelers. I needed to learn not to to make sure that I distanced myself for a couple of months, especially when I was at the Steelers from social media. Because um, if I read the things that some people were saying in the comforts of no keyboard warriors, uh, it, would, it would have really, really pissed me off. But I was really mindful that, you know, at the end of the day, they don't see the blood, sweat and tears. So these young men, they are, like you were saying about behind the scenes, it was a real eye-opener seeing what they do um, to really master their craft um, off, um, you know, outside of the camera. Um, all people see is 80 minutes of a game. They don't see all of the hard yards that they do. So I have a real massive respect for athletes and obviously for everyone that I have the um, the blessing to be able to serve. Um, and so I really do make sure, I, I do take my job seriously. Um, I really want to make sure that if um, if I'm not on point, then how can I be able to, to make sure that they're on point? So I also need to make sure that my mental health is also in check. Um, and I, I have no qualms in, in sharing that, you know, I've, I have had conversations with counsellors because I need to practice what I preach if I'm asking these guys to go and see sports psychs, if they're going through real significant um, dark places in their kind of rugby journey, then uh, who am I? So it's it's been a real journey that I'm kind of taking along with the guys. And it's not something that is common in our culture to be able to reach out. But I really want to normalize um, seeking professional help. Yes, you can have your circle, but it's really important that, you know, there are some of these people that are a little bit more qualified than my best friend, <laughs> a little bit more qualified than mum and dad to be able to navigate through some of these, all the stuff that's happening in my head. And it, it actually really did help me get through lockdown five because I was supposed to be home. So I've tried to come go to Aotearoa twice and both times there have been lockdowns. So the second one, it really got to me because I, I missed out on the birth of my my, my grandnephew, um, missed out on Father's Day and having my birthday with my mum. And so you know, things happen and my, I wasn't in the healthiest frame of mind. And then I was really, I was reminded, okay, I need to mow, you need to practice what you preach. So reached out to a counsellor and she just, you know, when you speak to someone that is neutral, that has no idea about your background or anything about you, they can just put the pieces back together. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. So um, it, it's, it's just those kind of moments that I'm finding that I've been able to mix a little bit of what I'm doing um, with my own values and figuring out what works. And um, I'm finding that it's it's actually been really all still, and I and, you know, 10 years on after dad's death, I feel it's really all part of my healing process and figuring out, you know, life, my new normal without dad, but also my new normal in this climate that we're living in with the pandemic. Yeah. You know, I saw on your Twitter bio, um, I think on your social media bios, you have um, rookie wordsmith. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about that because I was just like, hmm, what does she mean here? Um, what uh, are you gonna drop some rhymes or something? <laughs> a no, or something? no I mean, what, what is that about? What is that about? So, um, 
it was actually part of my healing process. I started a blog um, to cope with, with losing my dad. And so I've been really sporadic with it. Um, and it just so happened that just before I came um, to Australia, had a conversation with um, the then um, CEO of Pacifica Media Network, PMN. Um, she was really keen on, on getting me on board to do something to do with sport, um, being a, a Pacific professional in the game. And at that particular time, they were really focused on music and arts. And so they didn't have anything sport, knowing that we've got a, a massive demographic that are participating in sport. And so the whole idea was I was hoping to run a show and that kind of stuff. And then I ended up securing this job here. And so it just so happened I reached out to them and said, um, you know, all I've done is a 10,000 word project for my master's, but I'm really keen on writing. So um, I did a couple of articles, uh, opinion columns uh, for PMN last year. Um, and that was really something different, something creative. I've always loved writing, um, like reading. So writing was, I, I remember when I was in primary school, I wrote like the, the Jack and the Beanstalk, like in my own the, the in Moana way um and, you know because I loved English English was my um was my favorite subject um but funnily enough I actually ended up doing my undergrad in biological sciences so I moved away from the English and history and headed into sciences um but I've always loved writing so that was the the whole rookie wordsmith I, I still believe that I'm been encouraged by some friends to really look at writing again I haven't written anything um, this side um, in 21 um, but I've just started blogging again so that that's my rookie wordsmith day I, I did actually one of the things that I had done a number of years ago was enter a short story through Samoana um, Observer um, got a like a, a, a special mention for Australia and New Zealand and now my my little story that I that I wrote is, is it's actually been made into a book and is um, been translated into Mandarin actually what? um so yeah yeah it was it was a whole bunch of us that had submitted stories for this competition we didn't win but all those that got um, special mentions for Australia and New Zealand they put all of those stories into a short book so um it's a crack up like I got my friends to read it they're asking for part two I was going mate I was trying to make it <laughs> honestly I was trying to rush it to submit it to Samoa <laughs> Um, because at that particular stage, my one of my best friends, um, so you know, Grace just lost her dad, and it, I was on my way to the to uh, the family service, and I was trying to submit it. Um, and so, in 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 the, um, I actually mentioned her name inside. She's one of my characters in my short story. Um, real young adult. Yeah. Um, yeah, young adult kind of kind of story. Yeah. <laughs> um, first of all, I need to know. The name of this book. <laughs> Number two, I need to I need to know your blog so I can read it. That is, I'm so curious now about this book. <laughs> this yeah, it's, it's, just, it's a hilarious short story based in Waikato. I just mean, you know, it's just me, <laughs> me, me. Yeah, those ones are. But um, oh, that was that was written, and that that was actually something Lani went young put on Twitter. She had tagged me into it. And I thought, if Lani went young, believes that I can do a short story, <laughs> then I'm just going to do it. And so I did it. And then um, I messaged her to say when I was got a special mention, um, of course, I think there was about six of us all together got special mentions. I said, thank you for uh, giving me that little bit of a push to be able to um, to, to submit something because I didn't think I had it in me. But I thought, if Lani thinks that I can do it, I'm going to do it. So, yeah. That's exciting. Give me that information. <laughs> 
straight after this. You're not getting off until you give me the information once I've turned off this live. Um, <laughs> man, um, curious leader is another thing that's also listed on your bio. Um, I would say you are a leader in your field. Yeah. Uh, curious leader, what's... Yeah, I I would deem myself as a reluctant leader. Um, I, I think my curiosity comes from things that I've read and, and, and following people that I follow where their maybe leadership styles are a little bit different from what I know culturally. And so that that's where my where my curiosity lies. I, I, I love following random people. Um, so I've got, um, what's her name? So this is, sorry, um, Sarah Rob O'Hagan. So um, she is a Kiwi woman who is currently kicking ass, um, literally, um, in North America. Uh, she was had worked for a number of really like Nike and all that kind of stuff, but she's just come out with some really great things. Um, and then I, I follow people like Justin, Justin Sua, who is, a, he is the, oh, yes. the, the mental schools coach for the Tampa Bay Rays. I love um, and I, I'm a real a Bozema St. John. So I, I really am, I, I kind of really am attracted to to people who are um, a, a little mix of, of charismatic and then also a little bit standoffish with their leadership. Um, and so, yeah, that's where my curiosity lies. Going outside of, of my, I guess, what I, what I am aware of, what I know, uh, to be able to add to my leadership. I think leadership is something that's been instilled um, into me and my siblings through my parents. Um, my dad served as the Fela Kusi for the church for a very, very long time. So he has been my role model. My mum, who is who may not be as vocal as my dad, her leadership style was a little bit more reserved. But, you know, the work ethic um, that I have comes from my mum. I mean, she's still working now, 67 years old, as um, a healthcare support worker, a healthcare assistant at a retirement um, home hospital in Hamilton. So if she can do it, then I can do it. So, yeah. I, I get the best of both worlds seeing someone who's very charismatic and, and really out there like my dad, but then my mom's really quiet leader. Um, servant leadership is something that was really common with my mom, but she did it in a real quiet and conscientious way. So been able to take, I've, I've, I'm really fortunate that I have the best of both worlds in terms of role models of my parents. Yeah. What are some fond memories of growing up in the Ifakasa? Ifakasa. Mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, our church was built in 1991, and so um, just even just leading up to to building our church, uh, I remember there was the the soccer World Cup, and so we had all this um, just stand everywhere. So we made our own little soccer World Cup. So everyone was designated a team. I think I was in in Holland, um, Brazil. There was yeah. So um, there weren't that many um, girls in our church. So it was just me and my sister mainly. Some two older ones, older, older um, women, or yeah, but most of them all boys. So we always were either doing soccer, real random sports that we were doing just to keep ourselves um, occupied. Um, but if if not, it was we would have our we'd have competitions to see who could find the verse um, first, and then the fifth hour would split it up, um, you know, girls and boys. Uh, so it really was our our village, um, our, our late uh, Reverend Mosi Atimalala, he was uh, the, our spiritual father, and really um, was it was was different from others because so he was a graduate from Knox College, 
And so he was still working at Hamilton City Council while also um, serving at the church. And um, we had really great role models, even in just in their children, all four are uh, university graduates, uh, doing really, really well now, um, especially in Tamaki. And um, so we were fortunate that we had really great role models, but we also... Um, we would have Kawanga, and I know that I know that um, Tiara Tuifakasa had a sort of kanga with Hamilton. This yeah, is we, we did, we did. Yeah. That's I was just yeah. like, yeah, I remember. And I'm sure, yeah. you know, it was so funny because at the time I was thinking, man, this poor church is thinking, look at them. There's so many of them, you know, because you guys were such a small aoloku, yeah. and then there's us heroes coming down with like bringing everyone. But it was so much fun, you know. Yeah. And, you know the numbers obviously but it was so much fun just to be able yeah. to get away and I remember we also came to uh, the family service but I think we arrived like maybe late um, you know to, to farewell your minister yeah so, yeah. Um, yeah yeah we had some really amazing founding fathers in, in the church that I unfortunately now have left um, have gone um, to paradise so um, I was really fortunate to have grown up with them. Um, we had a lot of fun. Um, obviously, we had the kauvanga with, uh, and uh, the sookanga with Te Aratu Whakasa. But the kauvanga, we were, very, like like you were saying, we were very small, but we were mighty for the mighty yes. Waikato. Yes. So we would actually do really well in some of those kauvanga against our Aukilangi Salty um, yeah. churches. And so we uh, would, you know, we we won a number of the plays. So we'd have um and then um Bese. So we had a choice piece and a set piece. And we we actually did really, really well considering we were so small. But I think because we really lived lived the whole village life and Hamilton became really, really close, we were aware. Um oh yeah, it was just uh I'm really grateful that my parents had the foresight to be able to move to Kirikiriro when they did and the just after my brother was born. Because um, I think life would have been very different if we had stayed in Avondale. Uh, we were we were essentially based before we actually made the move down to Hamilton. Um, but I will forever be for grateful for to my Ifakasa roots. I'm not fellowshipping in Ifakasa at the moment, um, but whenever I go home, or that that that's where my roots are. So being able to help out even just yesterday with the vaccination hub and the number of the the community uh, came from our Ifakasa community. It was really great to be able to bond through something that was similar, like, you know, we were familiar. Um, and I know that that will never um, go away. And so, the you know, we, we didn't have much family in Hamilton, but our friends became our family. So those links to uh, Hamilton and the Ifakasa church there are real strong. Um, my dad essentially served there until the day he died. So we have um, nothing but love and gratitude towards um, the church and our village uh, because they were very, very much part of our lives um, um, as well. You know, I did the podcast with Reverend uh, Brian, Brian Corlea, and um, you you had commented on YouTube um, just in regards to, to just a, a section that we talked about. There was a part we talked about the role of women uh, in the church which I was super curious about and I was so happy when I saw you. I saw you like, I mean, you know, honestly, big up, um, shout out to my brother Brian because Rev Brian Corleo, because he was super patient. He was, you know, like, he was so open to any questions. You know, I really appreciated that. But I too was so curious about, you know, the role of women in the church and how it's evolving. Um, I guess, you know, now being on the outside, I mean, it's just, it's something I'm always curious about, right? Because I know growing up, 
um, there was always, I, I know in youth things would always question, you know, when will women be able to, I don't know if saying a more prominent role is the right word, but do you know what I mean? Like, when are they going to be able to, I guess, lead from the front? I know we all know that, you know, behind a strong man, there's a stronger woman, you know, that kind of thing. But man, you know, some of our politua, they've, they've got degrees, there's, you know, they're, they're scholars in their field. And, and I just, um, it's something I'm always curious about. And you, <laughs> I saw you comment on YouTube, and I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, I, I, that, that, that's one. That's my one of my one irks about it, is that I I'm very familiar with what, what you're saying. I I do know that there are, um, there are women out there that would would be great as as Faithful, to be honest. Um, and, and I want to make yeah yeah, and correction to to what you were saying before. Beside every great man is an right. even more great woman. So, um, and that, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, a, like a feminist by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I do know what we bring to the table as, as women. I, I am aware that there, there are women out there that could preach the house down. They could lead, they could lead the church. Um, I have an auntie, my auntie Marie. Um, she, um, um, is very, like, she is, the <laughs> um, and her husband, um, um, prior to her second husband now, who's also Fefiel, I mean, they both lead in churches. Mm -hmm. And so and that, she was my mum's my cousin. So I had an example of someone who was actually doing it. Um, and then I, I also am aware of other really great Fefiel in Auckland that are, um, that are walking and, and talking and are, and are leading, leading their churches who are female. So why, um, if I haven't... Um, I mean, they, they have pro progressed um, in a small way, but I think um, to really make the mark is, is to really make some changes. Um, I don't know whether it's a constitution or whether it's just the institution themselves, but yeah, that, that's my thing. Um, that I, I mean, I, I used to have um, some debates <laughs> with um, my poor rest in peace uh, with Mosiati Malala. So I, you know, I really wanted to, so I was a kapi yangu. Yeah. Uh, for the for the Alpha Pisi. And I remember one time I just wanted to have a break because I had an exam and um, we had a, a little bit of a um, a verbal debate. <laughs> and I, I mean, I got a grounding for my dad, but I said, Stop, that's not enough. <laughs> should know, my studies need to come first. <laughs> but, but those are the things. And I, I, I'm really grateful that my dad, um, you know, at the end of the day, he wanted his daughters. Um, because Sally, my, my youngest, my brother is the youngest of, of three. He's got three older sisters. So we really needed to, before Sally was of age, we did everything that, I, I, you know, someone's son would do. And so um, I was always really, I remember this one time I got bullied at, at primary school. I went and told my dad and he goes, what am I going to do about it? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, need to, I need to be more bold. I need to be more courageous then. And so I was really always mindful that I needed to make sure that I did everything possible before I went to my parents. Mm. Um, and so I, I don't think them, they didn't envisage that their daughter was going to be having a, a little bit of a, a debate with the faith that I was going to be one of those <laughs> things. But um, I was just, I was really thankful that that he, my parents raised me well enough to know that if there's an injustice to actually speak out. Um, and um, and I and in most cases there there was a time I re I remember um, it was a Christmas day, and 
we my dad had spent the whole entire day at church and we had come down from from Auckland to spend time and uh had to have a I had a really hard conversation with him around family because we that's that's what we know of we all we know is we had to give 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 but I said all we wanted was to have you for Christmas and you spent it at the church which is not a bad thing but for where we were at as a family it was something that was really really important to us um so I told my brother get in the car we're going back up to Auckland so we did yeah so you know I'm I'm I, I find that I'm usually the one that has to speak to my parents before you know and so that was one conversation really hard conversation that I had to have but it was a really good one because I think for me and my parents it really made us closer and you know you know how you always have the new year services and you always get up early hours my mum was telling me my dad's one for that uh, look that they had was around um, family and he had a bit of a moment when he was on the on the pula, and then my mum rang me to let me know. And so we went down and did the whole hug hug. But <laughs> it was um those kind of conversations I think I'm so thankful that I was able to have because I didn't realise that I wouldn't have my dad for that long. Um but the relationship between a, a child and their parents is so like to me it's so important. I don't I don't understand it when I hear of some of my non-Pasifika friends or even some, you know, who have no relationship with their parents, I, it, that breaks my heart. Um, I'm glad that there was a time where there was a, almost like a fear element, you know, as we do, we need to follow up. But then it came a time where you were bold enough to be able to, you know, share your mangaku so that you can have really adult conversations with your parents. And I loved seeing that progression between with my uh, relationship with my parents um, and even now, my relationship with mum, seeing that you know, we, she's all we've got. So um, we have our Zoom kalamoanga, which is really great. She loves to get all of our ideas together and then make a decision. So it's really, I love seeing how things have evolved over the years. Um, from yeah, it's it's been it's a it's been a real beautiful process. Yeah. You know, world rugby. Sorry, I I forgot to ask this earlier on. Uh, we were talking about rugby. Um, world rugby and the Pacific Island nations, Pacific Island countries, um, and the whole, you know, like every time around Rugby World Cup year, there's always this ongoing debate about, you know, what's happening with the Pacifica nations, you know, what are they doing for these, you know, the lower tier, um, two. tier yeah. you know, the yeah, tier two countries. Um, are we ever, I mean, from your professional um, perspective from someone who's you know in like rugby um, are we ever going to see anything happen like anything for our Pacifica countries or is it just going to continue to be dominated by uh, tier one um, I believe that there is um, some positive changes starting to happen so the mere fact that we've got two Pacific Islands teams joining the Super Rugby competition is massive for Fiji, Donga, and um, Samoa. So there is a viable um, pathway um, for our rugby players who don't make the you know the, the the teams who wouldn't have made the teams originally will now get an opportunity to, to be uh, paid professionally for what they do in the Southern Hemisphere. So they're close to home. So I understand Fiji is going to be based here in Australia. Moana Pacifica will be based in um, Tamaki, I think. Um, so the the whole idea of those two um, teams informing is that they're able to to really put back into the mother unions. So Donga, um, Lakabisa, Moa, and uh, Fiji Rugby Unions 
uh, we're heavily involved in ensuring that those two teams actually get off the ground. And so it's it's good to see that they they will be uh, joining Super Rugby 2022. It's just making sure that they're going to be sustainable, that they're able to to play uh, competitive rugby. Um, you don't you don't want to them have their first game and get kicked by 80 points. You want to make sure that they're really competitive. Um, so that that's another pathway that some of the the players in um, Samoa Tonga and in Fiji could potentially take if they're really wanting to progress in their rugby. And then it also means that they are going to be playing against the the best in the Southern Hemisphere. So it only make um, their respective mother nations or mother teams um, stronger. I think if anything, it's the infrastructure at our at the mother unions that, that need a little bit of work. I am aware that World Rugby do invest quite heavily um, in Samoa and Tonga Rugby Union. And Australia, um, through what they call Pacific Australia Sport, almost like MFAT or DFAT back at home, invest in Australia and also the uh, uh, sorry, invest in the Pacific Islands uh, and also the Melanesian, so with Papua New Guinea, Vanuatu. So there are there, there is a lot happening and that doesn't get talked about. It just doesn't happen as fast as people would like it. And I think I do agree that there needs to be um, more rugby games played. Um, our, our island teams, like the recent Cook Island team, they only come together once every couple of years. If there was some decent investment, they get a few more games or only just make the game great for the for Cookie Airani. It's just, um, I guess, the investment having um, the proper people at the helm, managing the finances that come through, um, being able to have really decent pathways, uh, both elite and in community. Samoa have got some really great initiatives happening, even in girls rugby, which I'm really encouraged about. Um, all, of, all of those little initiatives need to get off the ground in the motherland. And as they build up the team, and I know um, Mamu Samoa at the moment are traveling in the Northern hemisphere, they can't take anyone from down here because of our strict lockdowns. So they're going to be selecting from the Northern Hemisphere. And that's actually really good for, for Mum Samoa because they get to be able to, I guess, uh, look at the talent up there leading up to the 2023 World Cup. Then they've, they've, they've actually have seen a broad range of players, not just um, a handful of players. Um, so I th I, my hope is, is to see um, some more positive development there. Obviously now with the change of government in Samoa, there might be some changes there. Um, because um, the former uh, Prime Minister was very heavily involved in Lakapi Samoa and everything else back in Samoa. So um, I think that, that maybe change in um, some of the, the governance and the structure of that will definitely help Mum Samoa and Lakapi Samoa going forward. So I am still going to remain um, positive. I think we do need to remain optimistic. I think um, the, the addition of those two teams in Super Rugby Pacifica is actually going to be amazing for the nations because it gives our young men a little bit of hope that they don't need to travel all the way to the Northern Hemisphere. They can play in Australia or play in New Zealand to be able to get some quality rugby and get paid to play. But I think it's just from an infrastructure point of view, back in Tonga, back in Fiji, back in Samoa, that needs a little bit of a shake-up. Um, yeah, and I and I stress that uh, the key word is shake up to be able to get real uh, integrity uh, in their structure and their processes to choose the best, to get access to the best, and also just develop from the village because you know there's a lot of talent there. They just uh, that you know they're not familiar with strength and conditioning. 
um, then they're not familiar with the, the eating habits to make sure you get the best you pick at the right time. So a lot of that is education, but with a little bit more resources, um, I reckon those three nations will be powerhouses in no time, if not already. And do you have a dream job um, in rugby, in any other space um, where rugby is involved? Do you have a dream job or are you content with where you are right now? Um, I don't think that my job exists yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and I, I, I know I am really committed to, to rugby. Like I, there's been opportunities in, um, in other codes, uh, but I've been, I really sense that my, you know, for me, it's, it's, um, it really is a calling for me. So um, I know that what I'm doing now is only for the time being, but until I get called to go elsewhere, I will remain here and, and serve faithfully here. Um, I'm really fortunate that I have really great leadership at Rupa at, um, with Justin Harrison and even just at um, the Melbourne Rebels and Baden-Stevenson where although I'm, I'm actually employed by Rupa, I've been able to do a, a lot for the club that, um, uh, that really suits my skill set, um, which I'm, I'm really um, encouraged that I'm able to, to, to contribute. And um, so, yeah, I, I definitely sense that I will be here um, serving in the Australian um, rugby ecosystem for a while. Um, Australia will be home, uh, I reckon, for a number of years yet. And so until um, God tells me otherwise, I know that my, my time is at Rupert and the Melbourne Rebels, but I really am sensing that, um, yeah, like you were saying, my dream job hasn't doesn't exist yet, but I know that I'm going to have a part in creating it. Um, <laughs> it's been bold, eh? <laughs> I love it. I love it. You just yeah. gotta, you know, yeah. speak it into existence. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so when you're not, you know, living, breathing rugby, blogging, um, thinking about writing, what what else do you what else do you do? I mean, obviously with the lockdown, pretty limited in terms of movement. Uh, what other? And I know you're a reader, and we'll get to that soon. What else do you like to do in your spare time, if? You know. Yeah, well, at the moment, um, it was something that I'm doing with, with some people from the club. Uh, we're doing this better challenge. We're raising money for um, kids' cancer at the moment. So we, it's, it's actually an opportune time with lockdown. Uh, it's for the month of September. We're raising funds. Um, I, I do regularly connect with people um, outside of Melbourne. Um, so I have connected um, with uh, some of the brothers in, the, in my space, but in Super Rugby Aotearoa. So I've connected with Arden from the Hurricanes and connected with Lloyd from the Chiefs. I really am around building my professional and personal like business acumen. Um, so I find that I'm forever learning by uh, really connecting with people. I think there's real power in connection, even just even virtually. So I'm always looking at ways to better myself or um, to share best practice with others. Um, you know, I have aspirations with uh, some friends of mine to be able to facilitate um, a, a forum that is uh, specifically Pacific or specifically Brown um, for female professionals in the game. Um, so I will speak that to existence too. <laughs> so yes. it's just things, yeah, just things like that that I in my head. There's just ideas of things of that I would like to do to really we um, as as women that we we have such a unique um, dynamic that we can offer into all things. Um, so, you know, we talked before about, um, you know, the church environment, but I think just in the marketplace, we, we provide a totally different perspective to our brothers 
that can really add value. And so I really want to maximize on that um, in my sector. Um, while I'm here in Australia, I'm really uh, wanting to glean and learn more about the First Nations here and um, with our Aboriginal people here in Australia. Um, and, and for me, it really is just following people online, uh, reading books, um, connecting with people back at home. Because, I, I mean, I do miss home. I haven't been, haven't seen my family and my friends um, since December 2019. So the hope is, you know, Prime Minister Jacinda would lift the travel ban soon with no quarantine. Um, but until then, I will no pushing off for in Melbourne. So I need to, I need, in doing so, I need to really um, maximise um, learning opportunities, ways that I can better myself, because if I better myself, those that I serve will also get a little bit of that. Um, and, and reading has been a, a massive part of that. So learning um, new things, uh, reading different, kind of, I'm, I'm not usually um, a fiction reader. I, I, I read primarily nonfiction, but I joined the online book club while I was in Canberra, stumbled across um, this Brown and Bookish book club uh, online. And so um, that's been really great to expand my reading repertoire a bit. Uh, and especially because, you know, I can't go to the movies um, and I get a little bit sick of the screen time. So um, reading um, fiction actually has been quite different, but it's been good. And so what are some of these books? I know you shared one earlier. Uh, do you have any other books there or any recommendations oh, yeah. that you can speak about? So um, one that I've just finished reading, um, I gave it to my sister to read, but it's called Winning by Tim Grover. Um, so he was the trainer for Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. So obviously sports is the theme. Um, so that was a really, really good book for anyone that likes to, you know, just the whole kind of mentality, that the Mamba mentality that Kobe had, and even just Michael Jordan's work ethic, that you would have seen aspects of it in The Last Dance on Netflix. Um, but the books I'm reading at the moment is um, oh, yeah. Belonging, Owen Eastwood, Maldi um, Brother, who is currently based in England, I think. So I've just started reading it. It's something that our team, uh, the, the, the Rebels rugby team is really big on reading. So uh, we kind of share books. We Ego is the Enemy was the one that we read all together last last so, year on holiday. That's so cool, man, to hear that a rugby team is reading together or, you know, that, I mean, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're really cool, big readers. Um, the Resilience Project by, uh, I can't pronounce his surname, but his name is Hugh. He's based here in Australia. Um, that book was really good and one that went kind of across the team. Um, but, yeah, now we're kind of uh, all reading on Eastwood's Belonging. So it's a really cool, talks around um, some of the things that he's done, uh, the, the whole whakapapa and being able to immerse that in the in the rugby culture, in his case, sports culture. I think he's working with the premier uh, football team at the moment. Um, but one of the yeah, one of the Māori brothers from back in Aotearoa doing some brain work um, over in the UK and just started this one. Clara and the Sun. This is our book club. <laughs> this is our book club. <laughs> so um, just started it. So Kazuo, Kazuo Ishiguro, Guro? Kazuo Ishiguro. Apologies if I've mispronounced that. But um, he is a, um, a Nobel Prize winner. So it's kind of cool to be able to read something that I don't wouldn't normally read, um, which is fiction. But this one is one that we just finished reading and highly recommend it. I got some really cool nuggets out of it. The Other Black Girl. Um, by Zakia Harris. Um, if you've watched Get Out and kind of like Devil Wears Prada, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like a mix between that. So it's, it's really, really, really interesting. Um, 
And then uh, I think the one that I kind of read in one sitting was Lani Went Young's newest book, Mataoti, um, which was awesome about an apocalypse in Samoa. Um, I haven't which read is really, that like, yet. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Yeah. Um, I was like, I, I never got into Walking Dead, but my friends um, got into Walking Dead. And I said, if you like Walking Dead, you'd love this book. It's very, you know, who would have thought like an apocalypse in Samoa? <laughs> Um, oh man, I'm just feeling really like I'm not gonna gang you again, but it's <laughs> all good. Like, you know, honestly, sis, um, thank you. You know, um, I, I'm going to hand it over to you, you know, just for some words of encouragement. And to be honest, you've just been dropping so many gems from start right up to this point. And I'm, I've, you know, a lot of what you've said has really resonated with me and hit me here, <laughs> right here, deep, deep deep down um i'm so appreciative i'm so grateful that you were able to come through um and just share a bit of yourself a bit of your story what motivates you just you're so inspirational <laughs> um and and you know it's so great to hear that you are you know you're you're working in this job where you got to have a say in terms of all aspects of the job i mean that's wow strong woman i love it um, that's very empowering so um you know thank you for sharing that um i'm just rambling here i'm just feeling a bit <laughs> i'm oh, not no. going here anymore no, but um okay. yeah i just thank you so much for coming through um i'm just going to hand it over to you to just uh drop some words of encouragement you know just for anyone who perhaps is wanting to get into your field of work um or just to you know, is really just looking for some direction or some guidance at this point of their lives, you know, especially in these times of uncertainty and worry um, with the pandemic and all. So I hand it over to you now. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I guess first and foremost, thank you so much, Rosa, just for this opportunity. I mean, I don't take it lightly that you reached out. I'm always really mindful when it comes to platforms like this because um you know really want to make sure that it's genuine and authentic and um what you presented even in some of the episodes that i've seen before i was really encouraged that you're you're really walking it out in faith um and so what was going to be all about books has ended up being about everyone's book of life so it's um it's it's really is um for me really humbling to to actually be a part of, of this particular journey but if anything i know you know justin Sua always says be be where your feet are and it's really important that we re need to really remain in the present, um, despite all of the chaos around us. Um, have a really, really good circle of friends and um, that you that you share your heart with. And I think it's important, as I kind of alluded to before, around mental health and well-being. Really looking after yourself, mind, body, and soul, especially in, in this time that we're living in, because there's a lot of information going around, whether it be about vaccines, whether it just be around life and really making sure that you um, separate the, the um, I guess, the the weeds from the from the wheat, um, making sure that you make informed decisions, but also uh, ensure that when, if, if you are in situations like you and I, they're written, uh, we're not isolated, but we are away from family to ensure they have a really good circle around you, have a good routine in place. Um, keep yourself and those of your loved ones in check because you never know what the other person is going through. Uh, in terms of my journey, um, it, it is, as I mentioned before, it was very non-linear. I didn't expect to be in this place, but I was very, very um, 
uh, I guess my work ethic was my way of being able to um, get through the different roles that I had. And I think I was able to pick up a lot of soft skills and hard skills in the different jobs that I had that landed me into this place uh, in the men's rugby space. Um, and so if you are diligent with the small things, God will, will give you give you much more. And, and so I really, um, I stand on that. Um, and I think that um, the only way is up. And I, um, and, and I, I believe that full-heartedly. I'm really, really confident in what I bring to the table, but also mindful that it's not, it's not only just about me, that I need to hold space until such a time that I can open the doors for others, like my nieces and nephews, like my, you know, um, the next generation to come busting through. So I'm really mindful that while I hold space that I need to navigate that space well, um, really be um, um, being able to merge, you know, our, our Pacifica values with the, the cultural Anglo-Saxon environments that we work in. There is a place where both can coexist. And so I'm a real, um, I, I believe that I, I navigate that well, where I'm able to still be cognizant of who I am as a Tamaita Aisamoa, but in the same token, who I am as a young professional and, and what is very much a man's world. So um, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, just need to make sure, like I said before, have some really good friends that you will, t will tell you like it is. Um, maximize the opportunities that come your way. And if you need help, do not be afraid to put your hand up. Um, you know, and, and you know, you know, when you do the mahi, you get the treats, as they say. So I feel as if I'm um, still doing the mahi, and the, and the treats are yet to come. So um, yeah, once it, hope, hopefully that really encourages someone. But if anything, it really is be present, um, but also in the in the same token, if you're able to. Um, take someone along the ride with you, then do that. I think that's really important that we not forget that it's not just about us. As we know, both know what's we may be the only one present in our respective spheres, but we've got a whole village behind us that no one sees. So, um, yeah, just, just being mindful of that. So I think, yeah, that's probably just what I could encourage your listeners for today. And you know what? <laughs> Honestly, you've encouraged me so much. Um, you know, just you have no idea. Just oh. I am from this, from our Talanoa. Um, and, you know, just wishing you all the best. Um, you know, get through that get through that lockdown and, you know, all the best with your job there. And um, just keep inspiring. Um, yeah, keep walking in faith. So. Yeah, you know I will. And I am right <laughs> back at you too. So, I mean, I know that you are carving out time, spending all this time, Shireen, a bit of yourself with all of your listeners and those that you interview but please know that you are doing meaningful and vital work there in japan and like i was saying before the hearts and minds that you are you're shaping and molding and i know that hasn't been easy uh, with working with some of the people and, and maybe some of the structures that you're under um, but be encouraged that you have some cheerleaders in the south pacific cheering you on also um that you're not alone in this so we, you know, we got you yeah we got you and like like you say i'm really thankful that um platforms i know that social medias sometimes can be um used incorrectly and therefore is negative but i think social media and, and the way that we have reconnected has been amazing and so um you know you're not um you're not um bound by um your postcode because you've now got a different postcode in japan <laughs> um but it's it's really great as i as i mentioned before the mantle um of leadership that you have on you 
what you've been able to really do with this podcast. And, and you know, you've enlightened me with some of the, the speakers that you've had on that I never would have known about. So your reach is far and wide. And so know that this virtual mission field that you've got is amazing. So keep on doing your grand work, both in the education sector, um, but also in the virtual space too. So thank you.